not very happy that I left Here him. Here we go. It. And we're about to go live. Is it okay that he's in the shot? Yeah, we're live now. So okay. this is perfect. Uh, just want to see us here. Okay. All right, good evening, everyone. Okay, after a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, I think we're on. We're learning this right. as we go along, so you'll uh, bear with us. Okay. After a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, I think we're on. We're learning this. So, uh, I want to welcome everybody. It's Monday evening, the 20th of April. Uh, I have with me uh, my guest, Dylan. And his father, Michael, who's going to assist him in answering some of our questions tonight. No, all joking aside, I've got Michael Feldman from my office. Michael's our attorney in charge of collections, foreclosures, evictions. Michael uh, does a plethora of uh, different things for the firm. And we're happy to have him here tonight. Um, we're going to be discussing a couple things uh, of updates and so forth, and we're also going to go into collections, foreclosures, what we're experiencing on what we term the uh, front lines, and then I'm going to go into planning for the future, as I call it, so we can deal with some things that are going to be happening uh, very, very soon with regards to the lifting of the various orders. Um, as we get into that, uh, I want to share with everybody a uh, website uh, that I've discovered uh, along with some people who are, are assisting us. It's called, uh, I want you to put in, it's called HTTPS colon, in fact, you know what, I'm going to post it here on our site, on our, uh, right here. Okay, so this is a, a tool that we have uh, been working with now gives you a lot of information. Click on that, uh, that extension. It gives you uh, issues that you can look at for the different jurisdictions within the state. It gives you all up to date on governor's orders. There's a discussions uh, area. Obviously, to some degree or another, it is uh, tilted uh, to one spectrum, if you will, over another. So it's up to you to see and look at what you want to see in there. Obviously, uh, we're not looking for you uh, this is not a political issue for me. For me, it's more of a uh, issue for you to look at and see some resources that we believe uh, will assist you in moving forward on, uh, on issues regarding COVID-19. Um, as a aside, before uh, we invite Michael in, I uh, just want to go into um, something that's gone on. This is in Winter Park, Florida, obviously north of here. Uh, a, a different jurisdiction than ours. And in Winter Park, what we've had is uh, there were some issues regarding whether or not the judge was going to allow uh, mortgage foreclosures uh, that he hasn't allowed and group those in 
with association foreclosures. Uh, there was a clarification from the judge, and that judge came out and said that mortgage foreclosures will be suspended until May 19th. However, they made it very clear that at this time, until further notice, uh, association foreclosures are not subject to the same restrictions and same limitations. And that's a, a really good segue into uh, bringing Mike in here. Mike, tell me, tell, tell our audience, uh, have you experienced any delays right now in any foreclosure actions on behalf of our clients? Well, thank you, Guy. Um, as far as our association foreclosures, uh, there have been some delays simply with the uh, what, what transpired at the beginning when this uh, pandemic uh, broke. A lot of the courts were closing. Um, but as, as, as time goes on, nowadays, the judges are um, having hearings electronically, either telephonically through, or through Zoom, through video conferencing. So our foreclosure actions are now proceeding forward. Uh, as, Guy, as you mentioned earlier, the, uh, um, an executive order actually came down from, uh, from the governor. Uh, basically, it was entered April 2nd. Uh, the, in addition to evictions being put on hold, uh, the governor specifically put mortgage foreclosures on hold. Um, it's Executive Order 20-94. It was entered April 2nd. Um, basically, it's a short order uh, where the governor put a moratorium on mortgage foreclosures, 45-day moratorium, where mortgage foreclosure actions cannot proceed forward, uh, nor can they be initiated. Um, and I've seen the ramifications of that where uh, in the past several weeks, well, uh, two months ago, foreclosures, mortgage foreclosures were, were moving forward at swift pace. Since then, not too much has happened. We're not getting any filings. <clears throat> any filings we do receive are typically cancellations of trials, cancellations of hearings. Um, on the lien foreclosure side for the associations, we're moving forward. Um, I, um, I filed a complaint this morning. I intend to file more this week, um, and we're proceeding forward. The question will be, and, and we're, since we're at the infancy stage of starting to get back into this, is what will the judge do? Even though the governor said put the moratorium on mortgage foreclosures, um, it did not say lien foreclosures. It all remains to be seen how judges um, at, at, at locally will will interpret his orders. Uh, but for now, we're moving forward, um, and we intend to proceed forward with foreclosures um, in, in the in the natural state, in the normal uh, normal business. Michael, are you are you seeing an uptick right now in the amount of collections being sent over to our office? We certainly have, um, especially that the. Uh, on the, for those associations that um, collect uh, quarterly assessments, um, as of the past couple of weeks, we have seen a quite a bit of uptick, but generally speaking, yes. Um, I've touched base on this in the past with some of my uh, uh, video casts. Um, have, you're more on the front lines than I am. I'm giving advice. You're actually living through this with our clients. How are you approaching 
requests for either forbearance, uh, payment arrangements. How, how are you advising and how, what, give us an ex, some experiences uh, that you've had lately with uh, blanket requests for some type of accommodation or forbearance from well, owners in the communities. Well, what we're doing is a case-by-case -case analysis. Um, I, I, if an owner is requesting some sort of payment plan or forbearance, um, I would discuss it with uh, the respective association. Um, but for the most part, associations are still enforcing documents. They are still forcing owners to pay. Um, and it's, it's the lifeline of the association. The association won't be able to pay its vendors um, if it's not collecting the assessments from the owners. Um, but it is a case-by-case -case analysis. Um, there may be concessions. One association may be willing to um, accommodate the owner by waiving interest and late fees. Or, um, But for the most part, we're moving forward with collections and associations are enforcing the documents. Okay. So tell me what, if anything, you're requesting from owners within the communities when they're asking for an accommodation or what are you suggesting to our clients that they require and request? Um, as far as the accommodations, if, if an owner is claiming that they are, that they recently um, lost their job, um, we ask for proof. Uh, at this point, proof is hard to come by. Uh, folks are filing unemployment um, so I would ask for some sort of confirmation um, that they filed unemployment just to validate their claims. Uh, uh, you know, some folks are taking advantage of the situation where uh, they're using this as an excuse not to pay. Um, but some boards, some associations um, are requiring some sort of proof before they would be willing to entertain um, some sort of uh, accommodation. And, and what, what in the terms of proof if any, have you seen as an example? Uh, I, I've seen, um, as, as I mentioned, uh, I've seen a, um, a, today, in fact, an owner uh, emailed uh, confirmation that he filed for unemployment. So what I did, I took that information, forwarded it to the board uh, for, with the proposed repayment terms, his explanation of what has transpired, and now I await the uh, board's decision. And is there certain amount of uh, either agreement or guidelines that you are suggesting in abeyance before it gets to that, you know, little snowball that tumbles down the mountain and gets bigger and bigger with more and more people not paying? Well, we don't want that snowball to, to occur. Um, so I'm advising my clients, the association, the members, uh, excuse me, the board members, that to proceed forward with collections um, as they normally would, um, because the last thing we want is to give more leeway. And as you said, the, we don't want that snowball uh, to get any bigger um, where the owner will not be able to come out from underneath it. Um, again, it's in the association's best interest to, uh, to enforce the documents, to force payment uh, so it can pay its vendors and be able to take care of its responsibilities. So unless if there's a, a, a unique situation, um, I, I'm recommending to all of our clients that to still proceed forward with collections. Um, Have you seen any uptick in bankruptcy filings? Bankruptcy filings as of late, at the moment, no. 
but we're anticipating a, a, a slew of bankruptcies to come through once the banks are, or excuse me, yeah, once the banks are able to proceed forward and foreclose. Um, at some point, banks are going to start moving forward with their foreclosure actions, um, and it's only it's inevitable that uh, the owners will will eventually file for bankruptcy. And can you give kind of a, a, a very brief, and then we're going to let you go, um, give you a, a very brief explanation to our members that are watching and board members that maybe don't have uh, such uh, experience with bankruptcies, how typically the two types of bankruptcies that uh, residential owners will use to try to help and alleviate the burden of having to pay the assessments at this time. Okay. Um yeah, there, there are two main types of bankruptcies. One's a Chapter 7, one's a Chapter 13, and it basically boils down to um, how much income they have coming in to qualify. Uh, everyone wants to file a Chapter 7, but if you have inc- income coming in, you may not qualify. You may be over the threshold, so you're obligated, or not obligated, but your only option would be to file a Chapter 13, uh, the Chapter 13 uh, bankruptcy allows the owners uh, to get back on their feet uh, once they file. Of course, all creditors are prohibited, and this goes for seven as well. Creditors are prohibited from pursuing uh, collection efforts. Uh, for example, the association, once an owner files bankruptcy, we cannot do anything and cannot move forward with any further collection efforts until the bankruptcy stay is is um, uh, is lifted um, but uh, again uh, chapter 7 getting back to a chapter 7 chapter 7 is basically complete liquidation uh, for example if uh, an owner accumulates thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt they file chapter 7 and once a discharge is entered that thirty thousand dollar credit card debt goes away for associations that are secured uh, creditors, <coughs> they um, the debt to the in- owner personally goes away, but the security is still there. Security being the unit. The unit. So the property that secures the assessments, um, the debt still is with the unit and goes with the unit, and the association still has a secured interest. Um, in the 13, there's some nuances that allow an owner to uh, strip that lien, um, and it deals with valuation. How much is the property you, worth? You, what does that mean, strip the lien? Uh, basically, the lien is recorded um, <clears throat> against the property, similar to a mortgage. Uh, in the mortgage scenario, you have a promissory note where you promise to pay uh, the debt that's lent to you. Um, the mortgage is for the purpose of securing that note, securing the debt. If you don't pay, the lender can go after the property that secures the note. Uh, same thing with the association. Um, assessments are uh, the owner's responsibility, but as security, when an owner purchases property, you're taking title subject to the governing documents. The governing documents say that the assessments are a continue, continuing lien against the property. So in the 13, a debtor uh, can file for bankruptcy, um, discharge his personal liability, 
for the outstanding assessments, but um, the the lien the property still secures uh, those assessments. And I mentioned stripping of the lien. It's, it's basically called a motion to value. Um, it's an analysis where the court looks at um, how much the house is worth at the time of filing versus how much is owed to any superior interests. Generally speaking, um, if a, a superior interest would be the first mortgage, if there's at least one penny's worth of in, uh, of equity in the property, then the association's asset, uh, association's lien is wholly secure, and that 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 goes for homestead property, investment property. It's 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 similar in analysis, but potentially a different outcome. I have a, I do have a question from uh, one of our condominium association clients. Is a special assessment payment treated the same as a monthly maintenance if they do not pay? Yes, 100% yes. Um, the association's documents would typically provide that the special assessments um, would be uh, it's secured by the property. Uh, we would pursue collections. Uh, for that special assessment, if the owner fails to pay, we would go ahead and uh, record a lien against the property. Securing the special assessment, if the owner still ignored us, um, we would go ahead and foreclose that lien for the special assessment, um, as well as interest late fees and costs and attorney fees incurred um, incident to the collection process. Michael, I'm going to let you go. Uh, I'm going to thank you so much. Promise us that uh, if there's anything that comes down from the governor, from the courts, that changes any of our perspectives that we've discussed tonight, any of the policies, the procedures, any other suggestions you have, you'll come back and join us. 100%. All right. Give Dylan my best. Dylan, thank you for uh, helping your father this evening. Michael, have a good night and thank you. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Okay. And with that... We, uh, we thank Michael, and now I want to really address some other issues uh, that we have going here uh, with regards to, uh, let me see if I can get Michael off of that. Uh, again, you'll pardon me as I uh, go through our, our um, learning how to use all of our great tools here. Um, okay, so... Let me, let's go back to really what uh, some of the other issues that I wanted to discuss tonight, which is what do we do now that the, uh, that the uh, uh, governor, we anticipate in the next 10, 11 days or so, will be issuing a lift of the emergency order. And once the governor does that, it's anticipated that all the powers the associations have had, both under 718 and 719, will all disappear. In other words, those special power sections that we've relied on to pass all kinds of policies and procedures will no longer be in effect. What do we do? I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about what I believe would be a fair, valid, and most important legal workaround over these issues. And what I've come up with is that I believe that the association's board of directors should now sit down and write out rules and regulations that you believe will should continue um, to govern the communities with this pandemic. Because the pandemic's not going away. 
the social distancing is not going away. Those recommendations, the recommendations of no more than 10 per gathering is not going away. A lot of this is going to stay with us for the foreseeable future. Your power to govern your communities in a, in a more position of power will, or strength, let's say. It's not really a power grab. It's really strength to protect your members, uh, your tenants, your guests, your invitees. Uh, that's going to go somewhat lessened once this order by the governor is lifted. So what I believe should be done at this point is that associations need to draw up policies and procedures that you pass now as boards that will continue to be in effect, but that take into consideration the fact that you will not be able to freely deny guests coming into the buildings, onto the property. Some of those emergency powers will dissipate, if you will, with the lifting of the emergency order. However, I think as we've talked about, many of us, uh, when we've discussed what a rule and regulation is, it's something that's related to the health, welfare, and safety of the members. So once you take that into account and you then pass some rules and regulations that even if the pools, the basketball courts, the tennis courts, the top lots, the meeting rooms, the workout rooms reopen, they're going to reopen with social distancing. They're going to reopen with no more than 10 people at a time, depending on the size. If you have a small workout room that's a 10 by 10 room, you can't social distance in there. So the board needs to make an assessment of what it believes it can fit reasonably with social distancing, make policies and procedures governing the use of those facilities, post them. I suggest having time limits. I suggest people checking in, writing in, bringing their own pens on some type of uh, sign-in board where the members come in and let you know, hey, we're here, uh, we want to use the room, we want to use the facility, we've signed in at 10 o'clock, we understand that we get 30 minutes at a time to use it unless there's somebody, or if there's somebody waiting, perhaps longer if there isn't, and you really go through line by line of all your amenities uh, all your usages that people can have access to that you want to continue reasonably restricting. You want to continue to tell people that if you believe that you are uh, uh, positive, if you tested positive, if you're symptomatic for uh, COVID-19, uh, if you've had guests that have been in contact or so forth, you still need to quarantine yourself. The quarantining has not been eliminated by the emergency orders. What has or will be potentially eliminated, and we're going to see how the governor does this as it goes forward. I'm making anticipations here. I'm projecting what I think the future will hold uh, so you can be prepared right now and start passing rules and regulations that you believe can continue to govern the community in such a way that you retain some of this authority to ensure the health, welfare, and safety, but recognize that a lot of the authority-making power under these provisions may be eliminated. And I say may because we don't know yet how the governor is going to address these types of communities being co-ops, homeowners, and condominiums. Uh, there may be carve-outs to that, although I doubt it at this time because there's been no real discussions about that. So we want to make sure that you take this opportunity to pass rules and regulations, policies and procedures that will go into effect immediately and stay into effect long after. 
So they have to be coupled with the rights of the members under your documents, because the moment this is lifted, if it is, and the moment it is lifted, then your documents and the enforcement under those documents have to now coincide with the actions you take, all right? So your rules have to start coming back to 14 days notice. Your uh, you know policies about screening have to comply with what's in your documents. A lot of the things that you may have been stretching, let's say, uh, a little past what your documents provide using those provisions under 718, 719, and 720, giving you that emergency authority will now be eliminated. And you need to strategize how best to do that. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to give suggestions and, and discuss it. I'm giving you an overview right now. Uh, many of these things we're talking about should be limited. Uh, you should require people to bring, uh, you know, either an alcohol rub mix uh, two parts alcohol, rubbing alcohol, one part water, to spray on different things that they're using, to wipe down on different things that they're using, Lysol uh, spray and wipes, all kinds of different means in which the members of your community can use the amenities but still be concerned about cleaning them, uh, wiping them down, having them germ-free. Again, limiting time of use and most importantly, keeping social distancing. Um, as far as meetings go, uh, both annual meetings and board meetings, I believe that if you have a board meeting, you can still uh, practice uh, Zoom or uh, Teams or Skype and uh, really practice having that for many of your members uh, over some video conferencing. Um, otherwise, you're going to be looking something like Governor Como's um, uh, press conferences or uh, the uh, Annapolis graduation, where people need to be seated at least six to, to eight feet apart from one another, both side to side, front to front, diagonally, really has to be a zone around you of a diameter uh, uh, that, that has a distancing uh, of actually, so it would be a radius on each side of you of six feet. I don't want to get too, uh, too technical here in math, but you'd want to make sure that from the center point of that chair all around is a minimum of six feet. And that every, anyone who's symptomatic uh, doesn't join these meetings and, and understands that they have to have an option and they should have an option to view them from home uh, on video. As far as annual meetings go, um, again, non-contested annual meetings. And when I say non-contested, I'm talking solely about elections. Unless you're passing some type of uh, uh, amendments or some business has to be conducted that requires a vote of the membership, I see no problem in canceling them right now. Contested elections, we're going to have to find a way, unless the governor expands this, we're going to have to find a way to set up uh, uh, ballots that are, 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 t are tendered. You may have to wait 24 hours to count those ballots. So to ensure that any COVID-19 virus that may be on them and, and potential for transmission uh, dies during that or is eliminated. I don't know that it dies, but it's eliminated over a certain amount of time of being uh, not touched by anybody else, as opposed to wiping each and every one of them down. Or you can do that as well. You're going to have to have facilities where people can stand in line at least six to seven uh, feet apart. I don't know if you've been to a Home Depot or a Publix late, lately, but Home Depot has set up on the ground in its stores uh, six to seven foot increments where people are to wait to line up to ca use a cash register uh, to uh, check out with their purchases. Publix is limiting who comes in. 
um, and the amount of people who come in. So associations need to do basically the same thing. And I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm sure that managers are going to do a lot of this on their own and are getting trained. I've seen some good stuff coming out of a, a lot of managers' uh, emails uh, to various associations that I represent where they're making recommendations and going over things as well. So you're going to have to uh, adapt to the new norm, at least until either there's a vaccine or a treatment, and to provide this distancing, if you will, if we're going to have elections and doing them safely. I also advise, if possible, to do them outdoors so you have less of a contained room, less of an environment where the air is being filtered or not so well filtered and being recycled throughout the room itself. So those really are the issues that I wanted to tackle tonight. I really want to get you thinking to what's going to happen in about 10, 11 days from now. Um, you see that some of it's happening a lot sooner. Uh, they've opened the beaches in Jacksonville. Uh, there's a lot of action being taken uh, by different uh, municipalities. You've got to keep up with all of this. Um, uh, so I'm going to try to give you as much as I can, both on my website and Twitter. Uh, I am trying to tweet now a little bit more as updates come out. You are limited in the amount that you can tweet. And I certainly will be posting more of these videos as it becomes, uh, as, as this information comes out. And I want to disseminate it more than uh, more to you. Uh, later this week, I am going to post on some law that's come out that affects associations. I want to update you on that as well. I know that not everything we're doing is um, uh, surrounding COVID-19 and that you are governing your communities. You are looking at architectural control issues, enforcement issues, uh, covenant issues, uh, and I want to be able to address those as well and give you some updates on things that have come out. As always, I appreciate your time. I encourage you. Uh, we, we did get one question tonight. I encourage you to ask more questions. If you're viewing this uh, at a repeat later, um, post live uh, production, then please feel free to email me at gshear at shearlawgroup.com. Uh, please subscribe to the channel, ring the bell so you're notified. Um, follow us on Twitter, hashtag shearlawgroup, and uh, we wish you only the best. We want everybody to be safe. We really want to help you run your communities uh, effectively, efficiently, uh, under what the guideline of the law is, but also looking, sometimes the law is limited, sometimes what one person may think is good for the communities at a whole may not apply just to yours. So we're happy and uh, more than uh, willing to sit with you and work on that uh, community-specific things that affect your communities that they might not others. For instance, I know that some of my associations have marinas, and now I've heard that they are lifting the ban on using those marinas. How should you do that? What should you do about it? Uh, how do you enforce social distancing? Uh, you know, most associations are limited in the personnel that they can have out there. Uh, you can't just have somebody at every single location that's a common element or a common area where people are going to come to to say, listen, four people have entered into the room, that's the max. You know, somebody you can unfortunately find out goes in there and says, look, I don't care about social distancing. I, I believe that this should all be lifted and I'm fine and I don't care and I'd rather get sick and die than come in here and be limited like I have been. Obviously, you're going to have to know how to deal with all these situations and they're going to come up, unfortunately. They're coming up around all the country with regards to stay-at-home orders right now. Nothing leads me to believe differently that it won't address when it comes to using your meeting rooms, your workout rooms, 
your basketball courts, your tot lots, your swimming pools, your swimming decks, your jacuzzis, so on and so forth. So we're here for you. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you listening. And if we can be of any further assistance, please don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, with that, I thank all of you. I wish you only good health to your families. And um, as always, I, I wish you all a good night. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you so much. Take care.